I've got two projects that I've worked with Modular Water on. One is Peach Bottom, Pennsylvania, a, a power plant, an ongoing design build endeavor between the uh, power company Constellation and, and Modular Water. They knew that they were looking for a package system, did not expect to get the level of package that they are receiving, especially the complete controls package being delivered in a prefabricated building with all wiring parts and components pretty much ready to go when it arrives on site. In addition, I don't think that they expected the level of cooperation as far as the engineering and design assistance that Modular Water and Dan Early and Rob Litos and the team brought to the table. Everything worked seamlessly. We received the DEP permit on our first try, which is, is, a, is a rare uh, occurrence. Um, so we were, uh, right on schedule, if not a bit ahead of schedule. Um, and, and when the regulatory agencies get involved, uh, that, that's often not the case. And the other project, uh, a mobile home park, the, the owner was basically giving a court order to get the wastewater system fixed or they were going to shut down the, the park. She had already spent the money that was slated for this project. Um, and, and, you know, mobile home park with uh, approximately 40 connections uh, can't come up with hundreds of thousands of dollars at the tip of a hat with modular water. The price was excellent. She didn't have a lot of money up front to pay consulting engineering firms to design something from scratch. So, you know, the, the fact that this was pretty much a pre-engineered solution for her was fantastic. We were able to, to do it very economically, keep the controls in the same package. Pennsylvania in particular is littered with a lot of small treatment plants. We do not have a lot of centralized wastewater treatment facilities once you get outside of the metro areas. Gas stations, travel plazas, campgrounds, they don't want to be in the utility business. Yeah. They want to run their campground. They want to run their business. So I believe there's a lot of opportunity uh, ahead for us. All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the CEO briefing. It's a pleasure being here tonight. We've had lots of news this week. I'll be discussing that. Also, stay tuned. I've got a rare interview of our Chief Operating Officer, Tom Marticello, who will bring up to, up to speed on progressive water and how it's been doing. So um, let's get this party started. And uh, again, it's such a pleasure having you here tonight. Water the Blue Gold, Thursday, September 28th. Briefing number 230. Water is the people's asset. Usual disclosures. Now, what's going on in the bond market? Oh my gosh. Absolute devastation in fixed income. Uh, average U.S. bond is trading at 86 cents on the dollar. Treasuries, corporates, mortgages, et cetera. At al, which means uh, and everything else. Uh, total carnage. Take a look at this graph. Basically, we've had um, a complete and utter crash. Um, and uh, things are not looking great. Now, I want to clarify that if you're... Um, a lot of investors just hold these bonds to term. Let's say you have a five-year bond or whatever. You hold it for five years, you get paid off, it's all good. And you make your 5%, whatever it is. What this affects is the institutions that are constantly trading this stuff and uh, the, you know, the pension funds and so forth. Now, 
any anybody who's not holding bonds to term. So this is a very difficult situation, and I believe it's going to um, have echo effects, obviously. And uh, you know, I think that it's been a very poorly advised um, policy. Uh, this high interest rates. It, once you have once you have an addict, it's very hard to uh, break them cold turkey, and that's kind of what we're doing right now. So. Uh, my heart goes out to the regulators because it's it's a crazy job. All right. Meanwhile, in China, aha, uh-huh. uh, supposedly China is doing so well. Well, there is an article. Um, Chinese G- GDP growth uh, dips once more in 2022. So you can see that the trend really. Let's take the the, the ups and downs out of it. We have um, a downward trend, really, since you know the 80s. If I were to draw a line between the middle of like 86 to the middle of 2022, uh, it's a downward graph. So their GDP growth has been moderating. Fair enough. Um, It's still very, I mean, we'd be very happy to see 3% ourselves. But here's the other problem is that consumer consumer confidence is at record lows. And it's basically stated, this only goes until this time last year, but there's no evidence that's improved since. And um, we have 2021 to 2022 economic indicators due to their prolonged lockdowns, uh, both industrial production and retail sales continuing to go down. Real estate, here we have light blue is new house prices, dark blue is secondhand house prices, and the orange bars are the GDP growth. And so it's really a real estate market, isn't it? Take a look at what's going on in the different provinces. And I was interested in looking at Wuhan, which is in the Hubei province, right there in the middle. And it's actually doing okay. It's above the national average. Um, But there's other parts that are in trouble. And it's hard to tell the population weighting of that. But it looks like South China is generally in poor shape. So first half of 2023, national GDP of 5.5%, but very fragmented, right? Now, also in 2023, China is the biggest driver of global growth. Uh, out of all the growth that we see, the sing- biggest single player, share of world GDP is 20%, but share of world growth is 30%. So even though I've just quoted a bunch of issues in China, it remains the locomotive for the world economy. U.S. is that blue is 23% of world GDP, but it only grow, only has 9% of world growth. So this is an interesting situation, especially since this is all this crazy talk about conflict. Now, before I go on, I just want to make a comment um, about China. Uh, this article, UNZ.com, was Washington's bioweapon attack on China a success? I have no idea what that theory is. But what I can tell you is a tremendous number of people in China still have very, very intense PTSD from all the lockdowns and shutdowns and so forth. Uh, and some estimates are it'll take 10 to 20 years for people to recover, basically half a generation. Not great. All right. Now, another thing that's going on in the West is shrinkflation. Yes, shrinkflation. And here is uh, the best indicator in the UK is the Galaxy Chocolate, which had a price increase from a pound 39 to a pound 50. But in addition, our 
smaller. 110 grams is now 100 grams. And there's uh, inflation on all kinds of everyday products, but they really do show up a lot on chocolate because I guess it's portion controlled. But there's basically, they can only charge so much. And so now they're, sh they're shrinking. Now there's more to it than this. There's something called skimflation. So that's where cheap uh, uh, ingredients come in instead of expensive ones. And so when you use margarine, you have something that is partially oil but partially water. So that's cheaper. The other thing is things like additional fees for bookings. This thing, um, the, the bottle with a hidden bulge in the bottom, so it looks as though it's the same, but isn't. Anyway, um, that's kind of what's going on. A lot of hidden inflation happening. Here is a sign at Carrefour, the French mega market chain. And they're actually alerting people that there is both lowering of volume and an increase of price. They don't like it, and they're telling their, their, their customers what's going on. They just don't want to be blamed. All right. So what is going on, obviously, is that inflation is far more of a problem than anyone is willing to admit. Credit cards. Ah, oh, yes, credit cards. Well, there's a problem here. Their uh, credit card losses are now 3.63%. And they'll continue to grow through the end of 2024, early 2025. So um, that's obviously because there's a lot of delinquencies. A lot of people are maxing out their cards and then moving on. And even though you can't declare bankruptcy from your cards, if you don't have money, you don't have money. What are they going to do? So um, that's kind of what's going on. In fact, it would be smarter for everyone concerned if we had retained bankruptcy. That was a gift uh, given us by then Senator Joe Biden back in the day when he uh, helped the cre his credit card industry outlaw bankruptcy for credit cards. I think it's a mistake for all concerned. Okay. Now, this I've been promising this report from the front by Tom Marchesello and um, Ray Laban. This is all interesting, but you need to tie it to what is going on with the company. Yes, very good point. Well, it's a not too subtle point that we are marketing a new asset vehicle called Water on Demand, which enables people to invest in water, which does not have these ups and downs. And it's an inflation remedy. Remember how water rates are increasing at a rate higher than college tuition. And lots of delinquencies by consumers. I've covered this in previous briefings. Um, but Kind of why I'm going over these things about China in trouble, credit cards industries in trouble, shrinkflation, and so forth, is to say that it's time to find a safe haven. And this is why the emerging market for water as an asset is so powerful because, number one, we relieve inflation for the people who adopt it, the end users, the, the businesses that adopt it. Number two, it's a stable vehicle. Number three, since we're at the beginning of it, it's like Apple 1984. If you're at the beginning of something, then you get amazing returns. And this is the sweet spot, the Goldilocks moment that we find ourselves in right now in this economy. We, I believe, we're the best thing going in this current economy. Now, that's part of a general picture, much larger one. 
I was on a podcast today where I commented that we're, the world is moving from a currency-based finance system to a commodity-based finance system. So you're going to see monetization of all kinds of things, such as your cobalt mines in the Congo, right? Things like that. Now, that's not something that we're going to have access to as consumers, except you know, perhaps with, a, let's say, oil as a commodity, right? Problem is that oil is very political and it's very, very um, subject to what the whales are doing, like um, Middle East, the Arabs, they decide to let the let the oil flow, then prices crash. They stop it, prices go up. Water is not quite that way. It's very fragmented, and it's a market that is um, all about local. Water is local, and people need the water no matter what. So it is a commodity, number one, which is where the world is going. And number two, as a commodity, um, it's something that is brand new and accessible to the regular investor. All right, let's take a look at what my interview a couple hours ago with Tom. Here we go. Well, Tom Marchesello, it's a pleasure to have you on the CEO briefing again. It's been a while, actually. Yep, I had to do work. <laughs> Not just sitting around on TV and all that stuff. Oh my, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> How How's it going in um, Charlotte? Uh, Charlotte's fine. I like it here. My wife and I are doing good. Family's good. Kids in school. She's doing great. Lots of kids here. I tell you what, it's like boomtown for kids. Really? Wow. Well, that's good to hear. Um, so a couple of things have happened. This week was a big week for progressive water treatment, um, which is one of the one of your functions to oversee. So let's just take a quick look at the, the two announcements. Uh, first, we had a merger of water on demand and progressive um that was a interesting um evolution because basically we um as you remember in april we brought modular water into water on demand okay and then we looked at um the uh, requirements for um eventually uplisting to the nasdaq uh which we talk we talk about right here in this release and um, we needed um, a company with a longer operating history and revenue. So Progressive Water, been in business for more than 25 years. We've um, uh, owned them since uh, 2015. So that was a natural. Um, <clears throat> so the idea was to create better enterprise value for a potential merger opportunity with Fortune Rise, which is this um, blank check company that we previously announced in January. Um, including PWT now, combined revenues for 2022 were over 10 million compared with just over 4 million in 2021, almost triple, which is um, super cool. And that creates kind of a uh, powerhouse, as I say right here, powerhouse. Um, and so we have the combination of water on demand with the, the investment fund Modular Water Systems, which is the modular um, decentralized systems. Progressive, which is often much bigger um, engineer solutions. And finally, the Water on Demand Network that will manage the waters of service projects that we eventually get going. So with that, we moved on to the next uh, announcement, which was... Um, let me see. Let me just back up here a little bit. And um, 
So there's this one. And I guess I got to go back to the announcements. There we go. And then uh, just uh, today, we um, essentially Origin Clears, Water on Demand, and Fortune Rise nominated a new target, which is progressive water. So what's interesting about this is water on demand is still plays a role inside Fortune Rise uh, because we are the we essentially are the sponsors. Uh, so we are actually the organizers of all these transactions. And then we agreed to nominate Progressive, which actually now is merged with Water on Demand. And in fact, what, uh, Progressive Water um, is intended to be the, um, it, it will actually um, be the name of the company that is acquired. Why? Again, because of the lengthy operating history and the significantly increased revenue. So with that, um, I think we have a, a good package and that it will uh, do very well. And we got a combination of standardized systems with customized systems with this new cool financial um, instrument and water as a service, which brings us to our conversation. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Dallas, the guys are just, uh, well, I don't know, I'm just working, right? I was wondering where you get to be. It's, a, it's an honor to be nominated. Thank you. You know, <laughs> I appreciate it. But uh, no, I mean, seriously, it's been a long time coming. It's, it's like going full circle, right? You know, we've we've operated these assets for quite some time and had to build them all up. And, you know, some things had to move a little faster than others at certain times. And it, it's nice to see everything kind of pull back together again. I think you get a lot of value out of that. There's definitely, uh, as you said, there's some value in the longevity of the business. Plus, you know, it's it's core functionality that it's always been there. Well, they have great word of mouth. I mean, that's you know, um, Dan does a lot of educational webinars and so forth, but but Progressive really relies on a, a sterling reputation and good relationships with manufacturing and sales reps, and that's been the source of business. And I, I hear you've had some wins lately. Yeah, we're doing okay. You know, it's uh, it's been. An, we we're definitely continuing to make sales and get some wins. We've been really focused first half of the year on delivering products that we had sold in the past and at the beginning of the year and making sure everybody was getting their machines. And so that uh, we've been particularly busy. We, we got to the point where we were completely capacitated at the facility where we literally had no more shop floor space. We had no more people to work on stuff. We, we just had things back to back to back to back you know, ready to roll out the door. And so we had to get through all that stuff, you know, and then, you know, get the sausage out, so to speak. And, uh, you know, we, we got through it, which was great. And then we were able to start a new cycle. I think we're on about our third cycle now for the year of, you know, new machines on their way out. We're finishing up a couple projects this summer, and then we're going to be starting another cycle here again for the, for the last quarter. So it's, it's, it keeps on coming. And then we have some nice new wins for the new year, which is great. So Mark and Mike and the team continue to, you know, get additional business and reach out to great clients. You know, we we seem to be uh, very friendly with the uh, power generation industry and the energy industry, yeah. which likes what we do. So we well, last year, of course, we got that big power plant, um, yeah. and then a, a few years before we got it. You know, remember the Excel Energy deal that we did, et cetera. Yep. Um, yep. So. Um, 
so that's great that we are kind of in the energy uh, sector doing their water treatment. Um, I'm yeah, hearing I that- like what we're doing for them. You know, it goes with kind of our ethos of cleaning things up, right? And, and making clean water and kind of helping the ecosystem kind of stuff. And everybody has a need, big companies, small companies, and they just want to make sure they're cleaning that water, whether it's regulatory, forcing them to do it and or because, you know, companies are, you know, have a need for certain things. So it's nice to have these corporate industrial and commercial clients because there's good business there for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, Progressive isn't the same decentralized water treatment business as modular water. The difference is that we generally can't talk about our customers. <laughs> Not a lot. You know, it's like, it's kind of the dirty secret of all industry. It's like industry does weird stuff and creates some types of uh, outputs that they need to clean up. And, you know, right. luckily, hey, there's there's systems for this. The irony is, you know, we've talked about this in the past, you know, reverse osmosis as a process for industrial process water became more and more popular over the last 20 years, right? Because it became more efficient and, and more useful. You can run things through membrane filters and nano filters and so forth and remove lots of different chemical contaminations out of water. So uh, that continues to be a very valid process and a source of of good revenue, you know, for the reverse osmosis process. Super cool. Well, um, I'm hearing there was like um, a million dollar deal done the other day. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, another one come in uh, from a good client who we've done some work for in the past. And then they had, uh, actually we nailed one and then they right after that had another one that uh, we're working on that sales contract, but it, the good numbers actually, one's in the million dollar plus range. The other one's actually floating up in the $2 million plus range. Oh. So we are looking at, I'm not sure how that, how we'll sign it. We're actually literally negotiating it this week. And then I, I, I think we'll get it within the next two weeks. It should get penciled out. So I'm hoping. <laughs> we're working on that'll that'll be a nice one because it'll it'll actually slot perfectly in my production cycle because then i'll finish off a lot of this work that i have you know october november december we'll do the engineering for that one kind of in the november december time and then we'll start more production on that in the january through march time frame so it'll it'll stack well into kind of the the timeline that we have set up excellent and one of the things of course is that um you know these companies have tended to, these divisions have tended to operate on cash basis, you know, sell and mm-hmm. sell and sell and collect. Now we're putting in place the real time tracking of recognized revenues, uh, which yes. is the only number that matters, especially when you, when you get to the NASDAQ. Um, and it reflects not just the sale, but the uh, milestones that are actually delivered. So it's a very honest measure of, you know, ha- have you, have you delivered something that's been acceptable to the client, that kind of thing. And, yeah. um, so that's in progress. And I think it's going to be, you know, um, the saying goes that, you know, um, what you measure, you get. So if we start really tracking it on a weekly basis, I think it's going to be very helpful to everyone to pay attention. Like, hey, wait a minute. If I do this one action here, I get a recognized revenue event. Good. Do it. Right. That's going to be very good. So recognized uh, revenue is important. I know you you guys <clears throat> It does matter for the NASDAQ listing, obviously, but it matters just in running the business too, because like, you know, I, we've, we've had a lot of different ways of thinking about revenue from the recognized revenue to the collected revenue, right? Because right. they're, they're a little bit different, at least in recognized revenue, which is a really good standard to use. It helps me drive backwards into my contracting because then I can look at my milestoning payments mm-hmm. and or how I'm invoicing a customer respectful to recognition 
and then receiving. Matter of fact, we just renegotiated one of our customers on this basis because there was there was some work we were doing where part of it was being done in the manufacturing location in Texas, but then I had some work I had to do on site for them uh, to complete the work on the install. And there's some parts that had to go together. The irony is they were actually telling me with their accountants to my accounts, they're like, look, actually change your invoice, change your invoice to just bill me for the recognized portion of the work you just completed with all the parts that you're putting on the truck and shipping over to me. I'll pay you for that immediately. And then invoice me differently for the work you're going to do when you're on site. And that'll be more the maintenance and the parts, you know, additions that we do there. And by breaking actually the invoicing into two parts instead of one, it actually allows me to accelerate how we recognize the revenue now and hit the milestone for the customer versus, you know, kind of elongating in an extra couple of weeks, waiting for my guys to go on site and, you know, tweak it all out. Right. So and it collects cash. Yeah. And it collects cash faster. And it also looks, is better for the way we do our bookkeeping and, and so forth. So it's it's a better methodology. Excellent, excellent. And I think um, we're starting to settle in with the accounting, with Prasad, David Medlin. I think you still have um, some some people in uh, Dallas who are doing the accounting. Am I right? Well, they had the one in, in there, and then the, the other lady that we had who's remote. So. But uh, it, but the lion's share of the the work that we care about corporate wise is definitely handled via Prasad and David. Very bright. They're doing a nice job. I think they've made actually some really significant improvements this year. Uh, noticeable improvements in the way that we are doing our finances. They're much more in tuned and online with it. It's quicker to get all of our reporting on almost everything. You know, I needed like really detailed reporting a couple of weeks ago when I was in a, a contract negotiation where. I had to go just line by line, literally by the parts we purchased for the past year, all the way down to exactly how much money I, I took in, how much I spent, exactly how much is due. And all of it's right there. I mean, it's line item. It's like I can see every single thing. And it's it's nice to have it at your fingertips. It's really helpful. Sure, sure. That's a real uh, decision-making process. That's excellent. Well, um, Tom, I really appreciate the update. It's very important for our listeners and shareholders and, um, you know, exciting times. We're moving into a final phase that is ridiculously exciting. Um, you know what the Chinese, the Chinese say, you know, may, it's a curse. May you live in interesting times, right? That's their curse. Yeah, I, I think it is interesting times. You know, it's like our journey has been certainly interesting. You know, I think, you know, this is sort of like a culmination of a lot of the efforts you and the team have put together, which is nice. I think the marketplace, you know, it's, that's a whole different animal. You know, there's always variation out there, but uh, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe this is just a, a really interesting moment for us. Like there's so much interest in water. It's amazing, actually. Like there's, it's it, as you've been pushing, it's like, it's this whole class of category of investment stuff that people have kind of like, they didn't realize it was an investment class almost. Right. It was just sort of like a thing going on, like utilities out there somewhere. Who knows, right? You know, uh, we'll go buy some oil and gas instead, right? <laughs> but I'm like, no, there's water. <laughs> you can talk about this. <laughs> it's our time. I really think it's our time. It's very exciting. And I'm glad you're t- making sure that we do deliver and we do because those numbers are mattering more and more every day. So thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. And pass on my thanks to the team. Sure. No problem. Have a nice day. There we go. That is the briefing from... Our guy is actually physically in Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, he is doing a fine job. 
All right. So um, I have time for a quick um, excerpt from an excellent podcast. So let's take a look at this and then we'll have the freewheeling uh, interview this time with Ken and AJ. Should be great. So here we go. Welcome to Interviews with Entrepreneur Show, where we interview entrepreneurs who are super awesome in their niches. And guys, RJ here, back again with an amazing guest on our show. So today's guest is Riggs Eckleberry. He's a nationally renowned entrepreneur dedicated to revolutionizing the water industry, which has reached a critical breaking point in recent years, despite being essential to the planet's survival. As a founding CEO of Origin Clear, he has developed innovative solutions to help businesses face rising challenges. Uh, and uh, you know innovative methods in order to uh, tap into and figure out the problems with water bills uh, and uh, tapping into the new investment market not only that but also he is you know this is something interesting i want to talk about is like how he's actually using the water stable coin that is backed by water assets which is pretty interesting to know about and like how he's actually improvising this outdated overrun but underrated industry so please welcome uh, on the podcast, Riggs Eckleberry. Hey, Riggs, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's my pleasure. Thank you, RJ. Awesome. So, like, can you like walk us through a little bit of your backstory, like how how things started for you, and like how you fell into fell into love with the water industry, and felt like, okay, this is kind of like underrated market. Like, I have to do something with it. Yes. Well, uh, to go back a little bit, I have been doing a lot of thinking about. Um, what my, you know, you, you were talking about innovative solutions. Well, what does that really yeah. mean? Uh, I'm really, uh, I, I've, I've adopted recently a motto, which I stole from an Air Jordan commercial from 15 years ago, which is break to build, break to build. So the concept here is if you want to really change um, an existing situation that is kind of frozen, then you've got to break it constructively to rebuild it, right? And really that's what we ran into with water. I have a high-tech background. Um, I spent um, the 80s, you know, computerizing companies in New York City. And then yeah. uh, starting in the 90s, basically all the way through 2006, 2007 in dot-com and software. And I got used to the rapid disruption. It was taken for granted that it was constant change, invent, invent, invent. Oh, it's obsolete, do a new thing. And so the, the product life cycle was not like this. It was like cascading up, 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 up always. And you had to keep riding that upward waterfall, right? Exactly. And I, somehow I landed in water. That's an interesting story because my ambition, which is my downfall, caused me to talk to a fund and say, hey, I'd like to be a CEO. I've spent 10 years on the CEO track. I'm ready. And they said, yes, we think so too. Um, and so they said, we don't, we're not doing high tech anymore. We're doing green and we want to do an algae startup for biofuels. At the time, crude was at $120, which is a lot really when you think it was 2007, right? It hasn't even gone back to that yet. And so we launched this algae thing. It was wonderful. It was fantastic. And that is a space that was in rapid transformation. Unfortunately, it got transformed by fracking. And it, it literally fracking was the agency that broke the whole idea of alternative fuels because price of crude crashed to below $50 a barrel. Yeah. No. Now, um, we had to make a decision and we decided to reuse our technology for the water industry. 
And because separating algae from water is very similar to separating sewage from water. Okay. So we had a technology um, uh, advantage and application. So we launched into water. And that's when I came, things slowed right down. And all of a sudden, I was in a very static industry. And from that point on, I was trying to figure out how do I get how do I get traction? How do I move the needle? As VCs in Silicon Valley like to say, move the needle. Yes. Right? How do I move the needle? Initially, we we're you know pushing technology licensing, and and it, we were sort of in this um, spinning wheel. It turns out the water industry takes twelve to fifteen years to adopt a new technology, and we didn't have that kind of funding, and we didn't have that kind of runway, and so we had to do something else. We started acquiring and creating companies, which has been our strength ever since. But in addition, in 2016, I got excited about the, the dramatic change happening in water, which is that the water infrastructure in North America and most of the rest of the world is broken. It's not going to be fixed uh, anytime soon. It's very true in the Indian subcontinent as well. I mean, there's just lack of infrastructure. And, you know, India is spending $190 billion in the, in the headwaters of the Himalayas but yeah. nothing on municipal sewage, you know, so and I, I, perhaps that's true in Pakistan as well. So yep. we have a problem of infrastructure. How do we solve it? Well, nobody's good. They're sending billions for war, but they're not spending billions on water. And so how do we handle it? Well, the revelation was that 90% of all industry of all water usage is by industry and agriculture. And that's true all over the world except the ratio is different. For example, Somalia has 90% agriculture, 10% industry. In America, that 90% usage is half and half. And, you know, I haven't checked the Pakistan numbers, but it's probably 60, 40, something, you know, it varies. But still, yep. humans are only 10% of water usage, and don't, we don't realize that. And so the solution, the problem and the solution is with industry agriculture. And... What I came across in 2016 was this new phenomenon of decentralized water, meaning do it yourself. Make industry do their own water treatment. And then people go right away, oh, my God, that's like Nestle stealing all the water. Like, no, we're treating the dirty water that nobody is treating. I mean, RJ, hmm. internationally, 80% of all sewage is never treated at all. It's just dumped. Only 20% is treated. That's a scandal in my book, right? So- we really decided that this is the future. Unfortunately, 2016, there was no awareness. And in the break to build process, there's a stage where if you want to build something, you've got to sell the idea, right? Okay, I broke, I want to break the old thing and start the new. Well, you need to somehow get what Microsoft calls attachment, right? Attachment to something new. So how do you get attachment to the idea? And that we were super early for but we made a very good decision in 2018 to bring in a guru of decentralized water, Dan Early. And over the years, we built a whole division that does that. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's how I got into the space and that's how we're trying to disrupt it. Oh, wow. This is this is actually amazing. First of all, decentralizing it and like back it by any sort of like a stable coin or, or by a coin, for example. But like how does that work out uh, because everybody have the, that different amount of sort of like, you know, water in their country, stuff like that. Maybe we can even call it decentralized, as you mentioned, like, you know, the amount of like sewerage, stuff like that. Like how that actually can get like 
backed by a digital currency. I'm curious to ask that. Yes, yeah, so it's a very you know I like everyone else. I got swept up in the 2018 craze, right? Uh, crypto got crazy in 2018, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we launched a development program called Water Chain, which was our first okay. uh, blockchain idea. It was great, but there was one big, big problem. It turned out to be a fundamental problem, which is how do you price water? Water yes. has widely divergent pricing based in great Everywhere. part on legacy rights. I own water, you don't. I'm okay, you're not, <laughs> right? So uh, it's, a, it's actually, if you think uh, water justice is probably the biggest problem in the world, there's the most dramatic people in Africa are walking five miles for water. Here, I just turn on the tap. There's more, there's no more greater inequity yeah. than water, in my opinion. Okay, so we put that on the shelf and said, no, you know, this is not going to work. And, and what we decided to do was get back to basics and do fundamentals. What we then started creating starting in 2020 was an idea of water as a service, right? In other words, if we're going to take over from the local utility, which charges businesses by the meter, then why are we asking the business to pay a million dollars? Why not just give them a machine that remains ours and they continue to pay by the gallon on the meter, right? That became the very interesting way of, of first of all, taking the capital column, right? Um, and, and also created a whole investment project, which I'll talk about separately. But it also meant that and in water on demand, every gallon has roughly the same price and every gallon is monetized. Mm. And that's yeah. the basis for future tokenization because now whether I have water on demand in California or in Singapore, it's going to be roughly the same ex um, expense. Why? Because we're just talking about the cost of machinery and personnel and it's roughly the same. You know, it'll vary about 30, 40%, but it's not five times difference, right? So it mm. becomes more narrow. Because my, my ambition is that someone in Northern California who's got a real water problem could offset their financial risk with on Singapore water. That'd be wonderful, right? Okay, it's not possible now, but it would be a dramatic improvement. What we put into the sort of developmental stage right now is something called Dollar H2O, which is a security token that securitizes the dividend payouts. I was talking to you about the investment side. If I'm going to let RJ, who has, let's say you have a greenhouse project, right? And you use a lot of water for that greenhouse and um, you need to treat your water, your, your dirty water. And I'm going to give you a system, fine. And you're not going to pay for it up front. Well, who's going to pay for that system? We can't pay for it. We can only pay for a little bit of it. We can't pay for it scaling up to thousands and tens of thousands of sites. So we created a yep. financial so that people can invest in water as an asset, just like they invest in energy projects, oil well, master limited partnerships in the US, which is a $300 billion sector where people invest in baskets of oil and gas projects and they get royalties. And so we decided to do exactly the same thing. And it's been amazingly popular because people like the idea of generational royalties, great, plus all kinds of equity, stock, blah, blah, blah. But it's water, not oil. And they prefer yep. that, right? They like it more. So now we have investors. They're going to get dividends. Now, in the short term, we can use bank deposit, you know, SWIFT, whatever. That's fine. But as it scales up, 
it's, it's more practical to tokenize it. And then if I want to transfer all my future dividend uh, income stream to RJ, I just do a little crypto transfer. Boop, and now you've got it in your wallet, just like that. And that creates over time a market. So that's our vision yeah. for it. Now, practical world, we had to de-emphasize it. Why? Because we're going through a whole bunch of SEC um, approvals for what we're doing. And the SEC does not like crypto right now. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. So they, 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 so we don't, we put these registration requests through the SEC. And the last thing we want is, is for them to put us on the shelf because it's crypto. So we said, no, no, no. And if, this is how it is. Crypto's in background. We're focusing on the underlying commercial machinery because I strongly believe that uh, a healthy crypto currency is one based on assets. Yeah. Back to assets. So I believe in the future that very, very healthy tokens will exist in energy, in uh, wheat, in, um, you know, pig bellies and water. Right. So because they have an underlying commercial activity, um, tokenized real estate, this is all very, very healthy. And it's not subject to these tremendous. I love crypto. But the problem with crypto is you have these huge wells of black money like Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, probably a third of all Bitcoin is dark. But we have no idea where it is. Right. And and they can yes, just exactly. manipulate with it. It's unregulated. Well, when it's asset based. You can't really do that. It's just like a gold standard for money, right? It's a very similar thing. So that's it's backed why, by something. Yeah. So that's that's what I like right now. Bitcoin is the exception because it's special. But most other currencies, and Ethereum I like because of smart contracts. But after that, yes. you didn't have to think about backing. Right on, right on. The time has come for the freewheeling discussion. Guys, um, we've had a big week and um, we know the, the two announcements about the PWT merging into this sure. increasingly valuable property. And I have to tell you, I cannot discuss it further, but it looks very good. We've accomplished an excellent um, enterprise value, and that's about as all I can say. And the other th part is, of course, that this special purpose acquisition corporation, this blank check company, has reaffirmed the non-binding letter of intent with the new structure. And of course, now we need to get it binding. That's well, it's, that's it's even more attractive for them. I mean, for them, it's you know, yeah, you know, don't threaten me with a with a with a much much larger entity, right? No, I mean, uh, the, you know, it's you always want to obviously, you know, create more value. Sure. You know. Sure. The immediate. In other words, it, it, the, the, the long term value is always, you know, astronomical, but it, it, you actually have, you know, there's meat there. There's meat on the bone, which is, you know, attractive. Where's the beef? Where's right. the beef? Where's the, now you have the beef. Right. right. Um, I, I was um, I was listening to Tom and the pace at which progressive water treatment can get these jobs is still pretty impressive, right? Given even given how you know we often refer to the business as slow and trudgy and all this stuff, he seems to be getting a lot of repeat business from folks he's done business with before. Which is, you know, look, that's that's the greatest hallmark of a successful business. Right? You develop uh, good um, strength in verticals, and the vertical that Progressive Water has had for years 
is power plants, the water treatment for the power plants. That's like, that's great because it's a big project. And, and it's so funny. You're, the first comment of the day by Tom, I believe it was, right? We just talked about that in the meeting, how yeah. we conspicuously talk about things other than water because a water investment isn't about water. A water investment is because the world is a mess and because things are so uncertain. Having a stable, um, scalable, um, you know, asset class that can uh, outpace or at least certainly match inflation, every bit as effectively as energy, right? Like, like you said, it's an oil well for water, but it's water. So in other words, you're going to make royalties on your oil well, Mr. Jones, until the oil runs out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that could be next year. That could be a hundred years. The reality with the water is that source is always going to require treatment. So there's really, there's, there's never any run out. So in many ways, it's far more a reliable, renewable resource for revenue. Okay. And something that directly is beneficial to the environment in a way that even the most ardent, you know, kind of green minded people, Mm-hmm. Look, there's lots of people that love energy, right? But as soon as you start talking about fossil fuels, well, they get, whoa, you know, they they they, they start to get, you know, about, about the environment, okay? Um, being able to have all of the benefits of an asset class investment that throws off, you know, inflation indexed revenue as effectively as energy, have a resource that every single drop you produce actually improves the world by that measure, mm-hmm. that's the best of both worlds. Right. Even the most ardent green, you know, green minded person is, going. I believe, I, I believe that that is going to be a very, very um, well received area when they look at this asset to, to participate in. We, we check all the boxes. In other words, yes, we are very good uh, financial investment, but we're also very good for ESG ratings, et cetera. I have uh, a quote here, uh, a question from Ray. Again, it seems you are constrained by the physical facility limiting hardware delivery. How are you addressing that limitation? Well, it's very simple. We have plans for aggressive acquisitions, um, acquiring companies, in other words, buy versus build. The biggest problem in building a water company is developing the expertise in teams. If you can buy those teams, then that's the road to riches. Okay. Um, and then Mark, so that I hope that answers that, Ray. Mer- Marcus says merging with that company, is that an acquisition? If so, would that affect shareholders? Hope I'm saying this correctly. Yeah. It's all beneficial. I, I, we cannot discuss this, right, but all yeah. I can say, yeah. all I can say is it's beneficial, highly beneficial. And Origin Clear will remain the vastly dominant company in this new aggregate aggregation we've created. Why? In part because we've now contributed both modular water systems and progressive to water on demand. So we've basically taken all of our children and we've sent them off to college. And no, they just they just left Harvard Law. They just left Harvard Law, right? They, they're, they're, you know, they're just getting out. So I just want to expand on one thing for Ray. Uh, Ray, there's a there's the ability to consolidate inside of the, this particular industry, the the small to mid-sized local business. These are the guys that have run their business for 30 or 40 years. You know, they're at the end of their careers. They have no real way to monetize the business that they've worked at their whole life. The ability to consolidate with inside a, a, a public vehicle 
would give these guys this amazing golden parachute and also take on the decades of relationships and millions and millions of dollars of revenue that they're able to generate on a, on a yearly basis as quickly as that. It provides them kind of the exit that they've always hoped they could have and monetize it in a way, but also directly and accretively increase our ability to deliver things like that in a physical way. Accretive means an acquisition that Sorry. adds adds revenue and capability. But more to the to the point here that Array was making, it doesn't just add revenue; it adds uh, facility, capability. Uh, yeah, productive capability, capability. personnel, assets, um, rolling stock, uh, manufacturing equipment, locations, and so forth. So that's the major major thing. Um, and here's the other very very important thing: water on demand does not require that we do all the building of the systems. Exactly. So we have water demand with modular water systems. And let's say that we have a project in Seattle. And so we get a local water company in Seattle to support the machine, fine. But they may also want to build it, in which case they will build it under license by modular water. And we've, in our built, box. Right. we've built the licensing revenue into our forecasting models. That's a highly scalable business because it's a bluebird. Think you're, you're sitting in Seattle and you're doing your business. All of a sudden, you know, Water right. Man calls up and says, hey, yeah. would you like to do a project XYZ? It's $500,000 and um, we'll pay you up front. Well, we'll pay you, you know, by milestones, but the, the deal right. is done. That's right. it. Right. And you no go. Salesman, no salesman. No, 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 no prospecting. Right. Um, yeah. That to me, um, that, that's a, that's a businessman's dream. Right. Because um, it's just it's business he never would have gotten without us. And then what you do, what you've done, and what you end up doing there, Riggs, is you'll probably have a guy who you'll have have established a long term relationship with for sure. And there, and, and and things will come back, right? Things will come around. Turn into a you'll get a call one day saying, "Hey, I have this job, I can't do it." Goes both ways. Can you help me out because that's that was what Elon Musk did so well with Tesla. He built the supercharger network, which created a moat that other people could not go across. Mm -hmm. Right. We have our own mode, right? Yeah. And we have a mode, which is the network we're building. We've started with one company. We have one major partner in place, a UK company. Also, uh, Ray says, businesses that grow too fast have a bad track record. Managing fast growth well is a rare experience to observe. Well, let me have at it because I have been in high-speed disruptive situations. That's what I was doing throughout the dot-com. It was a lot of fun. So, um you know, and we proved that we can do uh, acquisitions well. We acquired Progressive Water very well, and we built what you might call an acquihire. We hired Dan Early and licensed his IP and built a company around him, and that was done all by us. So we're pretty good at this stuff. And um, yes, we had a big shock last year when we had a 250% increase in our revenue, uh, and that meant, whoa. And we spent the first half of this year basically absorbing that. That was what the interview was all about. But we did. We With did. extended capability, that would be a much shorter digestion period, right? So this was like well, it'd be, it'd be parallel. an elephant in one bite, right? No, it would not even be shorter. It would not even happen it would, because right. you wouldn't have to go through sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver. You simply you know, keep selling and you have a growing uh, pool of productivity. This is going to be lots of fun. All right. So Ray says, show us what you got. Go for it. And it is now almost top of the hour. AJ, you've been remarkably quiet. You well, what you thinking? 
you guys, you guys do so much talking and, and, and sound so much smarter than, than I feel like I sound. No, I, I, the one thing that I, I have been kind of thinking about throughout this whole process with bringing progressive water into this is I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, one of the comments that we got was around, you know, uh, potentially people with consuming the CEO briefings, having a hard time bridging the gap between the various components, right? The, the finance component, the investment component, and the, the actual, you know, business components. And how does that, how does that ultimately come in? To one package. And I feel like tonight has done just a really good job of showing how all of those things, not to use the buzzword, but synergize, right? Like there, there's, and we, we try to make sure that we're talking about this more and you're going to see this more come out of, you know, the marketing side. Hi, that's me, right? That we're just going to be doing a better job about identifying the problems and understanding, you know, better how we're contributing to those fixes, but also enabling others on how to do that. The licensing part of this is not something that we really talk about all that often, right? But what Riggs just described is is insanely beneficial to the growth of the company, right? The fact that we can license and that we have a model to be able to do that. And the fact that we make it so simple, uh, you guys have heard Dan Early talk if you've, if you've been to at least a couple of these briefings. And if you haven't, the man's brilliant. And he and he makes like like we've basically re re uh, remade the the uh, you know the catchphrase of the or or the you know the motto of of uh, modular water systems right like we simplify the complex because that's what they do they take insanely complex concepts insanely complex systems and they just turn them into a nice simple repeatable process and a nice simple easy product that you can take off a shelf and push to market way faster than anybody else. So those are those are all superpowers that we have within this kind of origin clear umbrella and the future water on demand umbrella that are really easy to get excited about excited about from a business perspective, yeah. right? And that's where we that's where we want you to be excited to be able to be a part of this journey with us and and become, you know, in, investors and partners with us on this journey, right? You don't want to miss out on everything that we're doing here. And, and as we continue to be transparent in all of these steps in this process that we're going through, you can see the wins stacking up, right? Progressive water, getting getting multiple contracts back to back wins, right? 250% growth year over year wins, right? Working through this whole acquisition process wins. Like we, we are showing that we are capable and that we're proving this out day after day and week after week. And uh, it's just an exciting process that you guys should be excited about too. Okay. One last question from Ron Williams. Living in Utah, so much of the water is used for agriculture with generations of water rights. Will WOD work here? Absolutely. Remember, WOD is not about the incoming water. We say, let your source be the city or a well or whatever. No, we're dealing with the water that's been made dirty. 80% of the sewage is never treated in the world. America doesn't recycle water. Now we can recycle. Now we can get a uh, handle on sewage. People consistently believe that we're talking about fresh water and it's just not the business we're in because that's not really broken. We're there to make sure that the dirty water does not destroy the world. And I think we're on the way. Uh, Just a last note here. Talk to Ken. Schedule a call, oc.gold slash Ken. He knows a lot. And um, I know he, some things. He I knows know some things, things and he may he may just tell you. So please talk to him if you're interested. Um, and Eugene Greenstein, we need to learn how the various investor stock preferred investments come together in terms of how the final pieces come together in terms of funds and the investors. We have that carefully modeled out. And you know what? We can do a briefing on that and I can walk people through water on demand and how these different pieces of what we call the series Y offering, which is this limited offering, 
uh, consists of with the royalties, the stock grants, et cetera, et cetera, the warrants, the pieces of water on demand itself that are anti-dilutive, all those parts all adding up. I think next week we'll do that. And finally, mm. Yeni Sari says, this brief has been very fascinating, gained a new perspective. So thank you for sharing. It's been such a pleasure. I, I agree. I've had fun with this one. Thank you, everyone. And it's a lot of fun. Thank you, AJ and Ken, for participating. And remember that we have a Zoom survey. Please do fill it out. It gives us vital information. Everyone have a wonderful evening. Stay cool, calm, and collected. And I'll see you next week. We'll talk about water on demand. Water like an oil well. Oh, yeah, baby. Good night now. Good night.